welcome to the Glow Journal Podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this episode, I'm joined by the co-founder of Glow Recipe, Christine Chang. Christine Chang and her Glow Recipe co-founder, Sarah Lee, are responsible for introducing K-beauty to the Western world. The now New York-based duo met while working for L'Oreal Korea, during which time they underwent the strangest intern initiation process I have ever heard. From there, in Christine's words, the pair were bound together for life. Both women eventually moved to L'Oreal's New York headquarters and while working on separate projects, realised that multinationals were looking to Korea for their beauty innovations. Over sheet masks and wine, the idea for Glow Recipe was born. In 2014, they launched the first iteration of their website with eight K-beauty brands and in 2017, launched their first product, the Watermelon Glow Sleeping Mask, which underwent 1,620 formula changes, 49 packaging updates and eight trips to and from Korea to perfect. I caught up with Christine during her recent trip to Sydney to discuss how an appearance on Shark Tank crashed the Glow Recipe website, how her wish to translate Korean literature into English reinforced her love for the beauty industry, and just how long it takes to fade tan lines from an Australian summer. So you were born in Korea, but then you moved to Louisiana when you were a child. So if you were to cast your mind back to your childhood, what would you say was your first memory of beauty? Goodness. So my mom always has done these DIY treatments. So she Mm -hmm. would find these different powders or green tea and then fold them into yogurt and honey and just slather it all over her skin. So that is one of my earliest childhood memories related to her skincare routine. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I've never really been afraid of trying to concoct different formulas and put them on my face Mm because it takes me back to that time. I mean, how funny that Glow Recipe is kind of, you know, at the core of it is, is food, fruits and fresh ingredients. Exactly. It's all about feeding your skin because mm. I think we do a pretty good job of feeding our bodies and also listening to our bodies. When we're dehydrated, we take a sip of water. Mm-hmm. When we're tired, we take a nap. But I think for skin, for so long, a lot of us have been really boxed in by a certain skin type. Like you're acne prone, you're oily skin, mm-hmm. you're combo. And we never like verge from that. We are always stuck on that skin type. And you don't really listen to your skin and understand that some days you could need this. Some some days you might be more dehydrated than usual. Some days you might have more rough patches or flakiness. And then concoct your skincare accordingly. That's such sound advice to listen to your skin as you do our body. Given that, you know, you were kind of surrounded by beauty from an early age with your mum whipping up these concoctions at home. Did you ever have ambitions to work in beauty one day? Always. It was my first job out of college. Mm -hmm. I actually met Sarah there at L'Oreal in Korea. Yes. It has a particularly, particularly (laughs) entertaining (laughs) internship process where um, you're given a project very late at night at around 9 p.m. I heard you talking about this. (laughs) And they expect you to complete it and present it by morning. So basically none of us sleep a wink. But it's such a good initiation process, Mm. which actually they don't do anymore because 
I don't think it's allowed. There'd probably be a few rules and regulations. <laughs> exactly. But it's just such a bonding experience. So anyone who's been through that is like tied together for life. Yeah, I would imagine so. So Sarah and I were very close from the beginnings of our career. You, so you were in the US for school, then you moved back to Korea for middle school. And then am I right in saying you moved to Australia I for high school? Yes. I mean, I have a few questions about that <laughs> period. The first being asking your parents as a teenager if you could study abroad. That is a bold move. So what made you want to travel and experience Australia? So having grown up outside of Korea, I think coming back to Korea itself was a great experience, but also a culture shock. Right. The amount of academic rigor that was needed to go from middle school to high school, high school to university, I think I could have done it, but I think also it would have not left me a lot of time to pursue the things I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And so I just asked my parents to take a chance on me and invest in me going away. Um, I'm an only child, so they were yeah, <laughs> a little apprehensive about sending their only daughter away to study abroad. But I think they knew once I set my mind on something, I would be really determined about it. And mm -hmm. they trusted me enough to find me a school in the Gold Coast. Wow. But of course, it was a very safe, like all girls school. Yeah. Um, there was a very strict sign out policy. So I actually didn't see a lot of Australia, <laughs> which is... A part that makes me a little bit sad, but I'm back now. Yes. Oh, you couldn't have picked a better place. Yes. My other question about that period, you mentioned that, you know, moving back and forth was a culture shock. In your teens, were you noticing differences in the culture and more specifically the differences in the way that people approached beauty from place to place? Definitely. So in Korea, by the time I hit middle school, I already had a skincare routine. It wasn't extensive, mm -hmm. but I was definitely cleansing my face and then putting on some type of moisturizer and doing that on a daily basis before mm -hmm. school and then after school as well. And then when I'd get home for school, the first thing my mother would ask me to do would be to cleanse my face. Kind of how you clean your hands. It's mm -hmm. the same kind of logic, right? Or how you want to change to pajamas from your work clothes. You're skin kind of wants to slip into something a little bit more comfortable yes, as well. Yes, I can relate. Um, in Australia, at the time, there was a focus on sun care more than anything mm -hmm. because the sun was understandably quite strong, especially in the Gold Coast area, and we would go swimming a lot. There was a lot of outdoor sports. But other than that, there wasn't really a huge focus on a comprehensive skincare routine. Mm -hmm. So I kind of let that go during my years <laughs> in Australia. Um, still have some freckles from that time. Some tan lines actually on my back are really? still from that time. There was a lot of swimming, which I, I imagine was so. terrible at, by the way. <laughs> it was always me like drowning in the middle of the pool. Uh, what a way to learn. <laughs> I know. Um, and then I picked it back up when I went to college. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you were thrown into the deep end of the swimming pool, but also with L'Oreal. So you've talked a bit about that interview. Well, not interview, really. It's a immersion to yes. get into the internship program that was your first job yes that was my first job I was briefly um doing a stint as a party planner oh. at a small company before that but that was just a couple of months mm -hmm. and then 
landed L'Oreal, which was always my dream job. Amazing. And it was such a stroke of luck to be in the beauty industry in Korea at a time where the skincare market was exploding. Of course. And there was a lot of newness, a lot of innovation, and I got an education that was to be remembered. Well, while we're on that education, I mean, working at a multinational like L'Oreal is huge for anyone, but for that to be your first experience in the beauty industry, it really is a crash course in beauty. So were there any lessons that you learned during that period that you find you're still applying to your work now? Just in general about working or more about skincare? Maybe, maybe both. (laughs) Perfect. So for working... I was on a very small team. So mm-hmm. I joined Kiehl's at a time when they were actually debating would Kiehl's work in Korea. And mm-hmm. there was one store and I even closed down that store with my own hands and unpacked everything because it wasn't doing wow. as well as we had hoped at the mm-hmm. time. I then had a new boss come in and it was me and her in the beginning. Yeah, We did a focus group about how to grow this brand in Korea and what the Korean customers were thinking about the brand. And that just opened up a whole new era for Kiehl's. And then eventually, by the time I left, it was a top five brand in the market. Mm-hmm. So during a couple, during the couple of years I was there at Kiehl's, it was a real moment of growth for the brand. But because the brand was growing so rapidly, there was so much work to be done. So I learned a lot in terms of multitasking, managing, merchandising, but staff education, marketing, going to a PR event the next day. So it was very much a startup in its own right. Yeah, And being able to touch everything was really helpful. Amazing. Um, You mentioned that you met Sarah during your time at L'Oreal and, you know, going through that (laughs) overnight (laughs) project planning. How did you, how did you guys bond? How did you take that friendship beyond just the workplace? So we would meet very often after work just to commiserate, but also trade secrets Mm -hmm. and um, little tips about like how to navigate the workplace. And that tradition continued when we both moved to New York. So yes, 2008, if my research serves me. Yes. So Sarah moved to the New York offices for L'Oreal. I did a Mm -hmm. quick two years of a master's program at Columbia because I wanted to translate Korean literature. Wow. It was a complete detour and something I had to do for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, But what it ultimately served to do was to reinstate or reinforce how much I loved beauty and maybe I wasn't so suited for academia. (laughs) (laughs) So I went back to L'Oreal in New York. Mm -hmm. Um, But all throughout that time, we continued to meet and our combo was always wine and sheet masking. Yeah, and what a combo. Timeless, really. Timeless combo, Absolutely timeless. Sheet masks. Let's talk about K-beauty because Mm. Korean beauty, particularly skincare, Korea has always been really ahead of the curve, but it hadn't quite exploded onto the mainstream in the way that it has in recent years. But you knew that K-beauty was about to take off. How? How did you have that insight? So by the time we were working both at L'Oreal in New York um, and different brands, Anytime we'd go back to Korea to see our families, the entire team would be begging for beauty products from Korea. Bring me back sheet masks, bring Mm -hmm. me back this and that. And we would have to like cart over full suitcases of gifts and stuff to give our colleagues and friends. Mm -hmm. So that was one sign. But additionally, we were both working on projects that were driven by Korean innovation. So at the time at Kiehl's, I was working on sheet masks and essences. 
And Sarah had just come off a project with Cushing Compacts and was doing a hair sheet mask. Mm-hmm. So we were both thinking one day after work, we were both working on these Korean innovations. And it wasn't just L'Oreal. It was global beauty companies were all looking to Korea for the latest and greatest in skincare. But what was actually being brought over outside of Korea were brands that had value, of course, but were being brought over in a very promotional way, were sometimes positioned in a very kitschy way. There wasn't a lot of brand building. Right. So we wanted to get in there, curate brands that we were personally passionate about and thought deserved a voice outside of Korea. And that was the start of Glow Recipe. How is it that Korea is so far ahead? Are they, is it that they're just not afraid to experiment? Is it, you know, does it lie in tech? How, how has it happened this way? So you're right. It's the very experimental, very adventurous customer. I think mm-hmm. the customer ultimately drives the market because even with my mom and grandmother and my aunts, we are beauty junkies. Mm-hmm. We're if something's out new in the market, whether it's an ingredient or a format or a different type of treatment, they will be out there trying it because the beauty ideal is glowy, healthy skin. Mm-hmm. And so they go to great lengths to obtain it. And I think this drives an industry where brands are expected to put out really innovative products and very motivated to do so because there is a customer base that's willing to test it. Mm. I think that's starting to happen globally now, finally, because Completely. we're all people are so savvy. All of that information is at our fingertips now. And I think it's such a wonderful time for skincare. Mm. And it's meaningful because now people are taking steps to improve the skin underneath the makeup and making sure that the foundation is solid so that you can create whatever makeup looks you ultimately like or even choose not to go with makeup. Yes. Yeah. It's the beauty of glowing skin, isn't it? So it was the summer of 2014 and it was over sheet masks and wine. Yes. Yes. Talk me through that conversation that you and Sarah had that led to Glow Recipe, the first iteration. So we were saying K-Beauty is really having a moment and it's starting to pick up. But if I look around the stores in the U.S. or any of the sites in the U.S. at the time, there's nothing I would particularly buy. And that's Mm -hmm. what I said. And Sarah agreed. And she was also brainstorming with me. And then we were both just kind of hit on this idea of, okay, why don't we try it ourselves? Because within L'Oreal, there's only two of us that are truly bicultural, but also had beauty experience both in Korea and the U.S., completely bilingual. So let's leverage that. And this is a moment in time. And for me personally, also having grown up in Louisiana and regions where if I had told someone I was from Korea, uh, most people wouldn't have known where that was even on the map. Really? Back in when I was was growing up in Louisiana, it was a very long time ago. Um, It just wasn't really known. China and Japan were known. Mm -hmm. And to come to a point in time where K-beauty is starting to pick up and I somehow have the resources and the experience that could help propel that, that kind of felt like fate. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to put that to the test. um, And Sarah and I flew to Korea in the winter of 2014, got eight brands on board with us, told them our vision, said that we would help them really establish a presence here in the U.S. without a site at the time. I don't know what we were thinking. Um, And that was the inception. Well, I wanted to talk to you a bit about that process because 
you launched in November of that year. That is a short lead time and to launch with eight brands is unbelievable. How did you go about onboarding those brands? Because I imagine it would be a challenge to sit down with these people and say, this is what we're going to do. We have absolutely nothing to show you. We don't have stats. Just believe in us. Absolutely. So at the time, what was so exciting was that these brands, each of them had these amazing innovations that were just waiting to be heard, but Mm -hmm. they didn't know how to market them or create concepts around them. So we had all the raw material. So when these brands came on board, it was actually the best part, the most fun part, taking these products and creating language around it for the first time in Mm -hmm. English about what the product did, what it could do for your skin if you used it this way, the multi-usage, what made it innovative, what ingredients about it were unique. And that was just so much fun. It was a lot of work, but a lot of fun. And I still remember at the time we were one of the first to bring over what we called visible naturals. Mm -hmm. So these are like mists or creams that had visible specks of natural ingredients in them because the fermentation technology had become advanced enough so that these ingredients could be a part of the formula without affecting the formula. Another example would be um, one of our early innovations that we onboarded was the press serum. Mm -hmm. So it was this amazing custard-like, jelly-like texture, but it was a serum and a moisturizer hybrid. Wow. Um, And it utilized this mushroom ingredient, chaga mushroom, and Mm -hmm. at the time not a lot of brands utilized that. And it's interesting to see that it's everywhere now. Yep. (laughs) Um, But it just deserved like a moment and just a little bit of marketing help. Mm -hmm. And it really, really took off. Well, took off it did. And a bit over a year post-launch, you and Sarah appeared on Shark Tank. Yes. Why Shark Tank and what did that do for the business? So Shark Tank personally is a show that I just loved. Yes. I love the entrepreneurial spirit that you see on the show. Mm -hmm. We never really thought we would make it on the show. So we saw an online web banner for a casting call in ABC New York. And we're like, okay, we'll just go one day. And we head out on this blustery, cold April day, still cold in New York in April for some reason, and stood in line shivering and then somehow made it in front of a producer. We had sheet masks on our faces which flapped off as I was talking. So <laughs> there was a big sheet mask fail moment. Um, but we tried our best. And then we walked out there laughing, thinking, okay, this is just not going to happen. But somehow we got a call back two months later asking to submit an audition video. That two somehow, months? You would have forgotten about I it. I forgot. <laughs> and I almost missed the call too. So it was just it just came about. Mm-hmm. Submitted a video, then found ourselves in Culver City two weeks after. And it was... It was surreal seeing the set. Did that experience change the way that you operated Glow Recipe? Did it, you know, did it help with exposure? Oh, it irrevocably changed the course of our business wow. because the amount of exposure it affords young businesses and entrepreneurs is unparalleled. Mm. Because you could do an ad. Um, on the Super Bowl, for example, for an exorbitant amount of money. Yeah, oh, but I wouldn't even that's want to just think an about ad. how much money. <laughs> Shark Tank is a platform where you are given 10 to 15 minutes to take the viewer through your business, through your mission statement, through your purpose, and they become more invested in your brand because they've been given the time to really understand it. And I think that's why it's such a unique medium. Plus, I like to think of it this way. It was stressful 
and we filmed for over an hour. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, these amazing five accomplished business people were dissecting our business like consultants yeah. for almost an hour. Like you can't get that anywhere. Not at all. So it was incredibly valuable. I still remember on that day when we aired, our site went down. Wow. From the traffic. Which is I mean, a real pain, but also what a wonderful yes, we thing. Were. What a nice problem to have. <laughs> we were panicking. <laughs> As you're talking, I'm thinking now about how, you know, it was you talking about the brand. And I've had a few founders that I've spoken to who have talked about, um, you know, the home shopping network kind of thing. And they were saying that's why it's worked for them because it's them talking about their product. No exactly. one knows your brand like you do. Exactly. You're not selling something so much as just sharing your story Mm -hmm. so I would love to hear more about when you launched your own line of products yeah am I right in saying that you and Sarah would have been doing everything from the copywriting through to the social to packing orders all of that so in the beginning very much so by the time Glow Recipe Skincare launched in 2017 we had a small team who was super, super helpful and integral to the brand launch, it came to a point where we were still super passionate about our curated brands and Mm -hmm. there were still a lot of exciting new brands launching and asking to be launched on the Glow Recipe platform. But we also realized that for us to really create a line that harnessed all of this K-beauty inspiration and innovation, but in a way that truly spoke to women abroad Mm -hmm. and outside of Korea, in a results-driven, simple, approachable, accessible way, we had to do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we were both doing marketing and was were heavily involved in product at L'Oreal, so that served as an amazing background. And our watermelon glow sleeping mask was our first product, along with the Blueberry Bounce Gentle Cleanser. So yeah, so they're the first two products that you launched with. Now I've got to, I've got to read these stats because they're a mouthful. 1,620 formulas, 49 (laughs) packaging updates, and eight trips to and from Korea to launch those two products. It's the product that took the longest out of any one of our products because it was our first and we just really wanted to get it right. But at the time, not a lot of sleeping masks. First of all, sleeping masks as a category were still growing at the time. It was still smaller. Yeah. Now there's tons of sleeping mask options out there in the market. Also, sleeping masks at the time didn't really harness both hydration and exfoliation. And we really wanted to combine both in one formula because that's what you get in a K-Beauty facial. Hydration, retexturization, and smoothing all Mm -hmm. in one for post-facial results. So our chemists had told us several times that they couldn't, first they couldn't use this ingredient in the way we wanted to. And then we couldn't combine HA with all of these other actives that we were looking Mm -hmm. for and still keep it gentle. So it was trial and error and tons of testing and it took well over a year and I think our labs were very much wanting to quit us a little (laughs) (laughs) but it was it was all worth it was I mean start launching your own products you mentioned that you know you'd had these conversations and realized that if you wanted to do this you had to do it yourselves was that was it a conversation that just kind of happened like when you first launched the Glow Recipe site or was this months and months of, oh, should we, shouldn't we? <laughs> I think we were looking for an ingredient and an innovation that we knew we could really get behind mm-hmm. because 
we had done this for so long at L'Oreal. I think it was always part of our thought process that it would happen eventually, but we didn't want to do it for the sake of doing it. Yeah. It had to be right. And then where do you start? Because having this website and working closely with other brands is one thing, but then to launch and create your own line of products is another thing entirely. So where to from that moment? So we did both for over two years. Yeah. And I think that it was really great because Glow Recipe Skincare was out there. It had tremendous growth and awareness and that Mm. was bringing customers to the Glow Recipe site. And then we had a built-in customer base with GlowRecipe.com that also was an amazing customer base for Glow Recipe Skincare. So there was this virtuous cycle Mm -hmm. that was really helpful for both verticals of the business. But then ultimately, we are a team of 25. We're growing, but still Mm -hmm. lean. And for us, it was really important to be able to deliver on innovations and launches within Glow Recipe Skincare in a very timely way and be able to incorporate customer feedback like we did for the Blueberry Bounce Cleanser. Our Mm -hmm. customers wanted it in a pump format so that the formula didn't pull at the bottom of the tube. And we incorporated that and relaunched it a year into the product life cycle. But we wanted to be that nimble and continue to be that nimble. And we were finding it to be a little bit stretched. So ultimately, we decided around, I think it's been a month and a half now when we announced that we would be fully fully focusing on Glow Recipe skincare. Mm-hmm. For our curated brands, we have had long-term partnerships with these brands. So we actually have a site on glowrecipe.com, um, a page where you can find links to different retailer partners in the US or overseas where you can shop these curations. You mentioned growth and awareness in there. There are a few products that I've seen explode on social media quite like the sleeping mask. What do you think it is about it apart from that combination of you know being hydrating but also exfoliating? What do you think it is that has just made it go viral for lack of a better word i think it was the full experience so Mm -hmm. from the jar that people found very shelfy ready and enjoyable but also precious almost like a bottle of fragrance Mm -hmm. um the texture that was very gel like lightweight pillow proof and improved on some of that customer feedback about overnight masks being very heavy and sticky. Mm-hmm. The scent, which is a watermelon scent, and it's yes. just really refreshing. And we still get feedback to this day that it's one of their favorite things about using the product, and it makes them go back to it. Yes. Um, and then the results, of course, the efficacy of the product, because we really did try to find that perfect combo of watermelon, hyaluronic acid, AHAs, to make sure that we were really delivering the results that we promised. So all of this combined, we were seeing a tremendous response on social. We didn't realize it would sell out the number of times it did or that it would have like a several thousand person wait list. I mean, that's the stuff of dreams. It's mind blowing. And how many times has it sold out? Do you know off the top of your I think it was seven or eight. Oh my. And of course we were panicking again because yes. we're like, how are we going to get this yeah, to the customers? double-edged sword, <laughs> it isn't is, it? But it was a good problem to have. So we are once again, it was an incredibly gratifying but humbling experience. Well, I can personally vouch for its efficacy for anyone that hasn't tried oh, it. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> if um, my research serves me, the next product to launch was the Pink Juice Moisturizer. Yes, correct. People yes. were asking how can they watermelon 24-7. Mm-hmm. So we created a moisturizer a to accompany the mask. 
And then after that was the avocado yes. mask, which recently launched at mm-hmm. Mecca. And it was the more nourishing kind of sister product to the watermelon mask. And it has one of Korea's latest acid trends, which is PHA. Mm-hmm. So PHA is a larger molecule than a typical AHA, like a lactic or a glycolic. And because it has a larger molecule size, it drops through the skin layers a little bit slower, but it's still very effective because it gets to where it needs to go. Mm-hmm. But it's very gentle. So we used it on this nourishing formula made for dull, tired, sensitive skin on purpose. Amazing. And then is pineapple the most recent Yes, addition? pineapple is launching shortly. Yes. So I don't think it's available in stores yet. I but might it was have my hands on a <laughs> sneaky bottle of it. <laughs> but it was created to address one of our customers' primary skin concerns, which was hyperpigmentation. Mm-hmm. Um, what has actually launched in stores is the Watermelon Glow Ultra Fine Mist. Yes. Have Amazing. you tried it? I've got it in my room. I've not tried okay, it yet, though. Perfect. It's a fog technology. So... We searched high and low for this nozzle because it's as fine as... I wish there was a visual component to this podcast because (laughs) it is truly a mist. It's like walking into a a haze of hydration. Oh, that's stunning. What's great about fog mist is that the premise of a mist is actually revolutionary in that you are allowed to skincare everywhere and everywhere. Mm. Why leave that to just makeup? Sure, you retouch your lipstick throughout the day, but why can't you do mm. the same thing for your skincare, which is what a mist does? But a lot of mists out there kind of shoot you in the eye if you don't Story spritz right. Story of my life. Exactly. Yeah. So this fog componentry, when we found it, it was the perfect fit because it would help you mist before makeup but also after makeup no boundaries is this the product that i've heard you talking about how you can do that glass skin layering the toner sort of effect with it let's talk about this because this is one of those k beauty trends that has spread far and wide now let's talk glass skin yeah so glass skin is a state of skin that is so poreless and flawless that it looks like a pane of glass and what's actually exciting about this concept we started using this term back in 2016 Mm -hmm. is that it's giving skincare a look so what i mean by that is makeup has always had looks the sultry evening look the daytime glowy look Mm -hmm. like there's all these lookbooks and terminologies and we're bringing that excitement to skincare by creating it. looks that actually mean something to people. Mm-hmm. And with glass skin, if your skin is healthy, if you're exfoliating regularly, if you're hydrating enough, you'll get that glass skin look. So one tip for glass skin is called seven skin method. Yes. yes. And it was a viral method that we introduced almost two years ago. And what's amazing about it is that you use a toner seven times in a row Mm-hmm. When people first hear that, they're a little taken aback because it sounds like a lot. I fell off my chair the first time I read about <laughs> it, but now I understand. But it's actually very simple. It's just a few drops of toner, pat it onto your skin, and that's that brisk pat yes. here. A few more drops, pat, a few more drops, pat. So you're not actually using that much. It's just the action of layering and patting and driving all that hydration in that plumps up the skin from inside. That's what we want. Yeah, so especially in this dry kind of winter climate, Mm. you give it a go because it will make a difference in the hydration levels of your skin. And you can do it with a mist, which is actually quite easy because you spritz and pat instead of a few drops and patting. Amazing. 
Am I right in saying that you also you use this patting method after your cleanser as well, rather than a towel? Correct. Yeah. So we've been calling it "ditch the towel." It's yes. A little movement that we have going <laughs> on, and the reason for that is that your towel hangs very near your toilet, unless you're living in a huge bathroom situation. One day, but one day, <laughs> not uh, the at least in my New York apartment, the two are quite close. <laughs> And so whoever, we'll, we won't, won't name names, but, you know, people do leave the toilet seat up. Mm. Partners, friends, roommates, Truly whatever. Truly the bane of my existence. Yes, agreed. And there's a splash radius when you flush. So they yes. say you don't keep your toothbrush near your toilet, right? I've heard it about the toothbrush, but I'd never thought. Same thing for the towel. Yeah. So bacterial contamination can happen if you're not switching mm. out your towels very frequently. And for me... Patting my skin dry after cleansing is worth the effort, so I don't have to do that laundry. <laughs> but also because it's just a really great method to plump up the skin. Mm-hmm. And it you leave skin just damp enough, not dry, just damp enough so that it's really in a great place to absorb next skincare steps. I think the first time I heard that, I... I was like, how, how are we patting the skin dry after cleansing? But we don't have to cleanse our skin like it's a commercial where we're splashing water up into our face and it, getting it everywhere. Exactly. It doesn't have to be like that. But even if it's dripping wet, which sometimes can happen, it just takes like maybe 10 seconds of patting to mm. get it down to a place where it's ready for skincare. We can afford 10 seconds. We I can. think we've all got that. We've got all of these new products here. You've talked about how you were able to listen to customer feedback and make alterations where necessary, which is one of the beautiful things about being a smaller business. Is it similar with developing new products? Are you listening to what the customers want or do you always kind of have the next product ticking away in your head? So it's a combination of both. It's mm-hmm. meeting customer needs because ultimately that's who we're making this for. So the pineapple sea bright serum was an example of that. Yes. We wanted to do something that was all about brightening, evening tone, hyperpigmentation. But the delivery method of it, which we chose pineapple for because it's enzymatic, but also mm-hmm. a really great anti-inflammatory and brightening ingredient, was more us plus technologies that we were seeing from Korea. So it's now a combination of 22% pineapple extract and vitamin C and stabilized vitamin C. Amazing. Creating that trifecta of different C ingredients to give those results that the customer wants. So in the end, it kind of came together, but it was like a collaboration, if you will. Yes, I was about to say, it feels very collaborative, which is a beautiful thing with beauty. While we're on new formulas, December of last year saw yourself and Sarah launch Sweet Chef, which is another brand founded by the two of you. Why a second brand? So it's always been our mission to make sure that skincare is fun, accessible, approachable. And part of that accessibility is also different retailers and different price points. Of course. And so with Sweet Chef, it was all about that real introduction to skincare at a very accessible price point. Everything is under $20 and mm-hmm. it's at a mass retailer partner we have in the U.S. Amazing so accessible given that beauty has been a part of your life since childhood and obviously you've spent the bulk of your adult life working in the beauty industry what are some of the biggest changes that you have seen within the beauty industry in the last let's say five to ten years i think the focus on skincare has actually been phenomenal Mm -hmm. because five years ago i think it was more about what is the latest palette what is the latest yes. shade? 
And makeup is still, of course, incredibly strong. And I think it's an exciting form of self-expression and always mm -hmm. will be. But it's just really incredibly gratifying to see customers now wanting to make sure that the foundation is solid. Once again, that the skin is healthy because I think this was Shuamura who said this, like beautiful skin is the key to beautiful makeup, mm -hmm. right? And making sure that you have healthy skin is, it's a form of self-care, truly. Absolutely. It's a, that's a nice change that's happened. We've talked about the past, so perhaps we should look to the future. What are some changes that you think we can expect to see in the beauty industry over the coming years? Mm. I think customers will continue to demand more transparency from brands, and it's the brand's role to give it to them. I think in this day and age, people want to know who they're buying from, who's the team behind certain products, mm. what's the formulation philosophy, what type of steps are brands making toward becoming more sustainable? So a big part of our brand evolution was to make sure that we could communicate on all of those points. So on our new site, we now have a page that very clearly states our formulation philosophy, which has never changed, but we're just communicating it in a much more open way so that our customers know exactly what they're getting into because they deserve that. Um, we've never formulated with things like parabens and mineral oils, sodium laurel and laurel sulfates, BHTs, toluene, and all these ingredients that we don't think are skin beneficial. Um, but we also tell them what we are formulating with and educate them on why this fruit ingredient for this skin concern, for example. Additionally, we've been really sharing with our customers that with our packaging, we're really focusing on glass packaging whenever possible. Yes. And making sure that they're upcycling with us. Mm. Um, We've seen cute photos online of customers using the watermelon mask jar um, to store Q-tips. I love it. Yeah, oh, that's what I'll be doing with mine. Um, but all the glass is recyclable. It's twenty percent recycled material as well. So just making sure our customers once again understand um, what we're thinking as a brand. It's amazing. It's nice that that's what we're moving towards. Yeah. My final question for you, Christine. What is next for Glow Recipe? So we just, just launched a new innovation within our avocado family. It's the Avocado Melt Retinol Eye Sleeping Mask. Every word that you've just said is music to my ears. <laughs> so we thought it was always interesting that K-Beauty didn't really utilize retinol in a very heavy way. And I think the reason for that is the K-Beauty approach is all about gentle. Um, and a lot of retinols out there can be irritating to the skin mm -hmm. and cause redness and peeling. So what we found was encapsulated retinol was the ingredient we wanted to leverage because the encapsulation helps to keep it gentle. It time releases over time instead of releasing all at once. So it's great for the eye area. Mm -hmm. And then additionally, the encapsulation helps make it more UV stable as well. So it can be used day and night. But what was really incredible for me personally was that learning from our derm partner, who we've been researching this ingredient with, is that encapsulated retinol is great for milia. Ah. I have a major problem with that. The minute I use an eye cream that's too thick or too heavy, white bumps the next day. It's only happened to me a few times, it's but it has always stressful. been, yes, yes. because it, it's just there. It's and you, just there. Yeah. And then, of course, dark circles, another very common concern. And we love that the retinol addresses both, but in a very gentle way. So I think it's a Glow Recipe way. That was Christine Chang, co-founder of Glow Recipe, which you can find on Instagram at Glow Recipe. To read my interview with Christine, you can visit glowjournal.com. 
And for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at gemkwatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast and thank you for joining me. Oh, 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 oh,